Whipper. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk. You know how to dance. You ever dance with the devil in the Welcome to another episode of This Week in Salsa, and today on the show we have Rachel Cassandra, who is founder of Kazomba Community, and she is also an instructor and has traveled extensively around the country. Rachel, welcome to today's show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. And in addition, I should say that you are a writer for LatinDanceCommunity.com, so a new writer to the group, yes? That's right. Yeah, I just uh, contributed my first article maybe a week and a half ago, and it was fairly successful, so that was nice. You're being modest. I heard it went viral, and I see that it went viral. You have like almost 2,000 likes on this uh, on this post. Yeah, it's true. I think our Google Analytics, like we jumped by 9,000 views the week that I posted, but uh, who Man. can say? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's about Kazumba, right? So you wrote about Kazumba. And before we get into the post, I want to tell you when we were talking about this a little, a little bit before we started recording as well, that I really know nothing about Kazumba. So this is a very selfish episode for me where I get to learn about Kazumba. I, the only thing I really know about it is what I know from as I walk past the Kazumba room at the Salsa Congresses that I go to. So that's really it. And I'm hoping that you can educate me, educate the audience on what Kazumba is, and also importantly, what Kazumba is not, and maybe dispel some of those myths and rumors uh, for us here today. Sound like a plan? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to do it. Cool. Well, before we get into that, just tell us a little bit more about your background, uh, where you come from, a little bit of your story. Okay. Um, I am originally from Port Jefferson, New York, and I did not dance growing up at all. That was not really something that <clears throat> was normal in my family. Um, and I first started dancing actually while I was, you know, on exchange looking for activities that I could, um, just get into. And I started doing folk dancing, which was crazy. Um, but well, yeah, folk, folk I tried. Dancing. What do you mean? What do you mean by folk dancing? <laughs> folk dancing. I mean, I was like part of a performance troupe that did, um, Hungarian and other Eastern European folk dances. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. that must've been so how much of that is something that is like relatable to the kind of dancing you do now? Like, are you using that kind of dancing today as well? Um, no, that was, it was really fun for a while. Um, but yeah, it's not really something that you can do in most of the country. Um, yeah. and yeah, I moved on to doing ballroom dancing and then I got into swing dancing. I still do a lot of, um, American vernacular blues dancing and Lindy hop, that sort of thing. Um, and actually I was, uh, living in Morocco for a year, working as a language teacher and, uh, discovered that they dance salsa. And I was shocked because what? It's the Arab world. What are they doing dancing <laughs> salsa? Um, but yeah, that was great. I, I totally got absorbed into that community and it was kind of as a result of that, that I found Kizomba had my first workshop in, uh, Casablanca. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's obvious that you really have taken to Kazumba. Uh, why is that? And maybe just give, give us a little bit of a primer on what Kazumba is in a couple sentences. Uh, well, the reason that I got into Kazumba was, first of all, because it was the first dance I did where it just completely suited my body and my preferences. 
Um, I had, you know, I've told you, I've tried a lot of different kinds of dances and I've always, you know, found things that I liked and things that I didn't so much like, but with Kizomba, it was just like, yes. <laughs> um, so a little bit of background on Kizomba. It's a dance from Angola, which is down in the Southern part of Africa, um, more North and South Africa, but uh, you know, kind of close to Botswana. Um, and it's a dance that is relatively recent, um, kind of got started in the late 70s through the 80s and 90s. It was developing, um, didn't really get labeled as Kizomba until the mid 90s. Um, but yeah, this is a dance that is a partnered dance. People are always surprised, like, wait, you do an African dance, but it's in a couple? <laughs> Because they've just, you know, always seen these African dances where people are either jumping around or throwing their arms around or whatever it is, something that seems very foreign. Um, and <clears throat> Kizomba does still have, you know, very African movement, um, but it's, uh, I would say, a lot more subtle than that. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. And that actually leads into your your blog post which for those of you who don't know the blog post that we are kind of talking about today is called five lies you've been told about kazumba so the first lie kind of dovetails in with with your comments there which is this this lie that kazumba is a latin dance and i certainly thought it was a latin dance up until right now when you said africa i thought it was a latin dance <laughs> because it is that partner dance and also I mean, honestly, I see it at salsa congresses. So it's right. there at Absolutely. a congress for Latin Dance Congress. So I think a lot of people have that association. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I think it is completely natural. I mean, salsa is maybe one of the first dances that truly became global in its popularity. Um, and so it makes sense that when people were um, kind of seeking to popularize another dance or to introduce it to a lot of people, that they would try to go to the salsa dancing community and the larger Latin dance community first. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it does make sense. And so on that, it, this is related, which is the dance is not Latin. I get that. What about the music that it is danced to? Because the, mm. the music doesn't sound African to me. I, I think of it like, European kind of music. I don't even know where to really place it, to be honest. I guess tango is the closest I can think, but I also see that number two on the list is that it's not based <laughs> off of tango. So I'm like, crap, wrong well, again. The evolution of the music in some ways is separate from the evolution of the dance. I mean, they are tied together, but not quite as closely as we see maybe in some other dances where like as the music developed, the dance developed. Um, I recently did an interview with Rikita Alta, um, in London, who is from Angola originally. Um, and she was giving me a lot of information to kind of clarify this evolution of the dance, evolution of the music. And I will not say that I'm an expert on this, um, but for what I understand, Kizomba steps, which were at the time not called Kizomba, right? Um, but these are the steps that we now recognize as being Kizomba basics. Those were being danced in Angola to African music for okay. quite a while. Um, and then later, like in Portugal, people were dancing these same steps to Zouk music and they were dancing it to um, like various Caribbean or Cape Verdean music. And, and this was, you know, the dance was growing. It was starting to be called Pesada. Um, 
at the same time, <laughs> there's musical evolution that's happening, and there's a long tradition in Angola of a music called semba. There's also a dance that goes with semba, which some people are also starting to discover. Um, but that music started to um, evolve and shift after um, a group called uh, Kasav came to Angola and did a concert. And people in Angola just loved, loved, loved this music. Um, and people that were later leaving Angola and coming up to Portugal also brought this music with them. And so there, there started to be a lot of... I don't know, um, inspiration taken from Zouk and Caribbean music. And it shifted, it changed um, what people were doing previously and kind of made this new form, right? And then you have all this electronic, digital, then afterwards um, forms that are also changing the music. So what you would hear probably in uh, Kizomba Room at a Latin festival today might be what people originally called kizomba music. Um, it might be ghetto zouk. Um, it might be any of a number of other subgenres, is, is that and that gets super complicated. Is that, is that ghetto zouk? Like, is that just like your word for it, or is that no? That's a... actually a genre. Oh my! So it's not just zouk, but it's like special kind of zouk called ghetto zouk. Yeah. Well, there are a it. lot of there are a lot of kinds of zouk, um, and a lot of kinds of zouk music, um, and ghetto zouk is kind of uh it's one that you do hear a lot in congresses and i would say it sounds a lot like the uh pop r&b of zouk like when you hear ghetto zouk like for me like the first time that i heard that music i was like i feel like i'm 18 again and in the club for the first time (laughs) like that's that's what this music makes me think about. Right. Um, well, so speaking of, of, so then speaking of the Kazumba music, does it follow any common themes? Like, I, I assume timing is an issue. Like, are there certain beats per minute? Not that you know yes. the beats per minute, but is there a certain sweet spot? Like in salsa, you usually see a certain beats per minute. If it's slower than that, it all of a sudden kind of becomes a cha-cha in a way. Like, is it similar with Kazumba? I would say the rhythm is more important than the tempo. Um, there okay. is a wide range of tempo for kizomba um and there's a wide range of tempo for semba the the main music from which kizomba is derived um and people's preference for what tempo they like to dance with has changed over time and probably will continue to change um around 2000 you know in the in the early years there in the new millennium um it was super slow I mean, like really slow compared to what had been forming in the 80s and 90s. Um, and it's, it's, it's mostly sped up again since then. Um, but you're right. I'm not a DJ. I do not know the beats per okay. minute at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, man. All right. Well, we'll have to find that. I'll try to link that up in the show notes if we, if we do find that out. Um, okay. So this leads to another question, which also leads to one of your points here in the article, which is that this lie that Kazomba is easy. And I honestly did think that. I remember, I don't think this was even in a lesson that I took, but it was someone I was talking to saying, yeah, for Kazomba, and this was a teacher of some sort, saying basically like there is no wrong way to do it, like you're just stepping and that's basically it. You just have to have good like feel with your partner. But they weren't really emphasizing footwork the same way that I'm used to it in salsa or even in bachata necessarily. So mm-hmm. I want I want you to comment on that and, and clear that up. Uh, what is it like to actually learn Kazumba? Like, what is the skill challenge level that you can expect? 
Well, I feel like we have a few questions here and I'd like to separate it out. I will address, you know, how easy is Kizomba, but also you mentioned, you know, there, the teacher wasn't necessarily focusing so much on steps. And I'd like to speak to that because I do think that Kizomba is much less step oriented than something like salsa or bachata or, or social ballroom dances. Um, I learned to, to do ballroom by looking up the basic step online and then showing up at socials. And I just danced the basic step uh, as people led me to do various patterns and figures. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Um, in Kizomba, much like in Argentine tango, there is not any kind of, you know, you should go forward here or you should go to the side here um, in, a, in a repeating way. There is instead a very large vocabulary of steps that fit within the aesthetic. Um, and that, I think it can be extremely hard to define, especially because Kizomba now has more than one aesthetic and there are teachers teaching in different ways. And we haven't really had enough time to maybe make categories like you see in salsa with, you know, Colombian salsa being done this way and Cuban salsa this way and, you know, New York style onto this way. Um, so. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to understand about Kazomba is like with LA salsa or New York salsa is you're dancing on this line and that's what you have in your mind when you're dancing back right. and forth on this line. And, and there aren't similar frameworks in Kazomba is what it sounds like. Well, and I would say that it does depend on your teacher. I mean, I learned to dance Kazomba in a relatively linear way, except that you change lines a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're talking about the original Kizomba and the way that Kizomba was danced in Angola and for a long time was danced in Portugal. Um, it's a circular dance and I'm not talking about traveling around the line of dance kind of circular. I mean, where you and your partner are moving in little circles and spirals. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, I do however, respect the instructor saying that, you know, you can step when you want to, right? You are not restricted necessarily in that way. Um, a, a, a step pattern in Kizomba could, could be one step or it could be two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine. Um, and we don't have a restriction in that sense. However, there are, I, I hate to use the word mechanical because it sounds so <laughs> not you know, artistic, but, but there are mechanics in the dance that you have to respect. Otherwise it's not, it's not Kizomba. There are things that we do that are different from other dances. And and what's maybe one or two examples of that? Um, I would say a main thing that I focus on, especially with people coming from a Latin dance background is the way that you change weight. And I mean, how fundamental is that? You have the freedom to step when you want, but the way that you step is extremely important. And it completely affects the feeling that you have with your partner and the way that you move. And so where in most Latin dances, you're going to be um, kind of putting a fair amount of tension and weight all at once on the toe or ball of your foot, right? And then rolling through. Um, In Kizomba, you step far more gently, um, almost like in the center of your foot. Yes, on the ball of your foot, but not the toe. Maybe the toe comes with it, but the focus is really on that, you know, very fleshy padded area. Um, And then you ease onto the flat. Okay. 
So um, would it be, would maybe a good metaphor be like you're walking on thin ice where you're Yeah, kind of... I, I use, I use two metaphors with people. One of them is walking on thin ice. And, and when that doesn't seem to really uh, work for people, then I use the metaphor of walking across a beach with lots of broken glass. <laughs> so you're going to that... want to be really careful when you put your foot down. Yeah, I didn't think so we could get more get dangerous than I didn't think we could get more dangerous than thin ice. These are very dangerous metaphors we got here. Um, but I think it does help, especially for for people that are you know very good dancers in salsa. It's yeah. hard to break that habit of the way that you put your foot down, and yeah. yet that very fundamental thing will destroy the feeling of kizomba if you're not if you're not changing weight correctly. It's just not nice. Right. And, and this reminds me of a private class I took with a very well-known instructor for salsa not too long ago. This was about three months ago. And that's one of the first things that she pointed out to me was that my foot weight transfer was all wrong, was that I was too much like stepping to the ball of the foot. She related it to scotch tape. If you were mailing a package to someone and you were putting tape on this package to have it mailed out, you wouldn't put the tape on all at once. You would put it on one area and slide it down to the rest. And that's how she used it as a metaphor. And I, I, it's, it's very challenging to get that in my head. It's been kind of beaten into my head over the past several months where I'm trying to get to that point, but it sounds right. a little similar to that. And finally, there's a metaphor that doesn't involve anyone dying or being you know impaled or anything like that. So, so we could throw that on top of the third metaphor in case we're trying to be non, nonviolent with this stuff. So. Cool. Well, okay. So let's, shift gears a little bit and, and step away from the mechanics of this. And we'll get back into that in a moment, but let's talk about the social etiquette of this dance. And okay. I think this is one of the things that scares away a lot of people, especially in America. We were talking about this on one of the LVC roundtables. Safe how... personal space. Yes, exactly. It's like <laughs> different based, like, like Japanese people are different than American people. And like you walk too close, we want to step away. So it's a really, really close dance. It seems like the kind of thing that I'd be fine doing with my girlfriend, but not with a stranger that I just met, or at least my girlfriend wouldn't be okay with me doing with a stranger that I just met, right? So how how do you feel about that? Just comment on, on the closeness of the dance, of the sexuality of the dance, and, and how all that kind of works. Uh, I did a lot of my training with an instructor called Nelson Campush, and um, he used to always make the students laugh uh, by talking about health and safety. Um, and I still use that expression in my classes, and I'll be like, okay, guys, health and safety announcement number one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess for me, Kizomba is creating a safe and intimate space. Kizomba is a sensual dance, not a sexual dance. Um, and those are things that you can add back in, right? Um, but it's not inherent to the dance. In the same way, I made a comparison in the article um, to watching a movie uh, with people. I mean, watching a movie is a generally accepted social activity. Um, people don't tend to get too worried about it these days. Um, and yet, if you are watching a movie in someone's living room, in company, uh there are certainly occasions where people are using the dark, maybe the emotions or music in the movie, and there is contact with the person next to you on the couch, and maybe things will escalate. Uh, 
you know, that absolutely happens. And yet people don't associate watching a movie with being a sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, visually, when we look at Kizomba, our, our nation is coming from a relatively Puritan background, or at least <laughs> a large percentage of it is. Um, that percentage is dwindling, uh, but still, that's, that, is, that is definitely yeah. part of our culture. Um, and yet, in the United States, we are one of the few countries where it is normal to greet friends, not even necessarily close friends, with a hug. And a hug is a lot of body contact, actually, um, compared to just brushing cheeks with someone or shaking hands. Um, So I have seen instructors start a class with inviting people to hug each other, right? Right. Um, For me personally, I I address how we should be standing in Kizomba, which is with your weight forward on the ball of your foot. Um, And because most human beings are shaped in such a way that the rib cage is larger than the pelvis and added to that, your weight is forward, then contact becomes purely a matter of the chest or possibly also the head, depending on the relative heights of the participants and if they are choosing to engage in head contact. Um, and there's a great big bubble of space in, in the pelvic area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Gotcha. So, okay, so then basically the... Maybe the only part that if an American was looking at this or I mean, I don't want to pick on the Americans, but I am one. So (laughs) if Americans were looking at this and especially like American women were looking at this, if they feel like, you know, someone touching their chest was an invasion of their privacy, then like, what would you say to that? Saying like, you know, you're going to have some contact there in that area that, you know, women deem as like kind of my personal space, like. It's basically, hey, you have to either become okay with this or not dance kazomba, or how do you address address well, that if, if a woman I mean, has an issue with are, that? There are personal styles that exist. I mean, even in Europe, there. I just recently saw a video of an African man dancing in a way where there was no chest contact. Um, I I will say that's a huge minority. Like, it, mm. I mean, when I say huge minority, I mean, it's a very tiny minority. Like, it's really uh, not normal at all. Chest contact is normal. Um but chest contact is also normal in ballroom waltz and tango, which, right. although considered sexual a hundred and more years ago, um, today, you know, we find those, like, not at all objectionable. <laughs> so I think every person has to decide for themselves, you know, what am I comfortable with? And I am absolutely someone who believes in consent. You should always ask someone to dance. Um, <laughs> and you should make sure that they're okay, um, whether that's verbal or whether that's physical, you know, like if, if your partner is like tensing up and pulling away, that's, that's a pretty good indicator that (laughs) what's going on is not okay. Um, but when people come to my class, I tell them, you guys look, Kizomba is about being comfortable with one another. Okay. Relax. Everything's going to be fine and we're going to be respectful of each other. And I do think that for most people, you know, maybe there's like a brief period of unease. Um, But there's a huge difference between having someone's chest against your chest and having someone's hands on your chest. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and and this reminds me of a way that I teach with salsa and not exactly the same, but pretty good proxy where – the the guys a lot of times especially don't really know what 
to do with their eyes. Like they don't know if they should mm. look at the lady or if they should look away or look back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, guys, girls, what I want us to do now is we just learned the basic step. I want you to have a staring contest with your partner. And for the <laughs> next 30 seconds, you're not going to say a word. You're just going to be doing the basic step and looking directly into your partner's eyes. And the first ones to blink loses. And I found that by calling out and really pushing them to the extreme of calling out that discomfort that they're feeling a little bit, a lot of times that does completely dispel that issue. And then they go back and, and they're much more comfortable with normal, regular eye contact and not, not staring them down, hopefully, but uh, calling out in some, some respect. So I think even just giving a name to it, like you said with, with your students that you do, giving a name to it, calling it out, uh, really can make all the difference versus leaving it kind of unsaid and expecting people to be like, oh, I don't know what to do here. What do I do? What do I do? So Yeah, no, absolutely. Another thing that I do is address the, the problem of height differences um, because it can be not awkward in a very close embrace if, you know, your head is at an unfortunate place relative to your partner. Um, but, you know, we I, I do some antics using a chair or using tall and short people in the class um, and just show, you know, okay, like turn your head. And, and make the contact on the body wherever it is natural, right? And the leader is going to lead, first of all, with his chest. Mm. So that's going to be easily done if there's chest contact and much less easily done if there's no chest contact. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I want to wrap this up with the final point in your blog post, which is about how the lie that you can't dance kazomba in the U.S. outside major cities. So... What what it sounds like that means is that Kazoma is growing in these smaller pocket cities. Would you care to comment a little bit on that? Yeah, um, I started the website Kazoma Community in um, February. There had been an earlier very tiny incarnation. But um, yeah, I was frustrated. I travel a lot. And I was frustrated by the fact that I couldn't find Kazomba. Even if I knew, like, okay, definitely there's somebody doing Kazomba in this town. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't find it because you have to be friends with the right people on Facebook or you have to know, like, what the name of the event is to find it. It's not going to show up on Google most of the time. You know, I can't join every single meetup group. Um, and I was like, if I'm having this problem, for sure there's loads of other amateurs or curious people out there that are not being able to find Kazomba, right? Um, and so, yeah, so I started the site and... I have had the privilege over the last several months of just continuing to add more and more cities to the menu, um, more and more events, more and more weekly classes, socials. Um, and you know, it, it, it actually takes me hours every week to, to, to put this all in one place. And I find that extremely exciting. Um, and every time I find out like, wait, wait, there's Kazumba where, like, how did I not know there was Kazumba in, you know, Portland, Maine, or, uh, you know, Fayetteville, North Carolina, or like McAllen, Texas, like mm -hmm. what? <laughs> well now, okay. How do these events get updated? Is it local people that are updating it or is it you doing all of this? Uh, for the moment I'm doing everything. Oh, boy. Um, mostly because, you know, this is not, this is not paid work. Um, and it does take a lot of time. And I, I have not yet had anybody be like, hey, I would love to do this for free. Um, you know, if and when that happens, great. I would be happy to have some help. So right. I don't know. But I'm certainly open to collaboration. And certainly, like, if 
Kizomba continues to grow at the rate that it has been, I'm going to definitely need help soon. Okay. Now, for my call out to everyone listening who may be into Kizomba, what are they called? Are they Kizomberos? Are they Kizombics? Like, what, what, what do I call them? <laughs> um, you know what? I really don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I would say that only salsa dancers call them Kizomberos. Um, <laughs> Or people that are coming from the Latin dance background because they're used to this, you know, salsero, bachatero, and and, and all of that. Um, I definitely did not hear that at all when I was in Portugal or in in France or whatever. Um, So Okay, okay, in that case, I'm going to make up, uh, I'm just going to say, Kazumba lovers, if you are into Kazumba and you're hearing (laughs) this, reach out to Rachel. Rachel, what's the best way of getting a hold of you? I see a contact us button on the site there, but do you have an email yeah, address? Yeah, that's that it. Can... If you go to kazombacommunity.com, there's a contact us tab. Um, you know, I put us because I was really hoping that I would have a team. Um, so there's a lot of we and us on the site for the eventual day when there's like a team of people working on it. But all of my contact information is there. I'm on Facebook, Rachel Cassandra and Rachel Cassandra Kizomba. Um, I have my phone number up there uh my email address like everything is there i'm completely accessible so and and let me tell you what i am like schizophrenic with the podcast as well i keep on saying we and us as well so i know exactly what you're talking about i keep on saying it like there are like 20 of us running this podcast when it's just <laughs> maybe me in my bedroom <laughs> yes that's true that's true right exactly that that is the hope that is the hope. We can't all be Latin dance community with like, you know, 20 people working on that. But they, they've done a great <laughs> job with connecting people, you know. But we still yeah. see these pockets of people that are really enjoying the kind of dance they do and, and doing things beyond just the dancing. I think is the, the goal there, right? That we're not just dancing. We're trying to contribute to the community in a positive way, whether that's salsa dancing, kazumba, bachata, whatever it may be. So. Well, and actually, that's that that was another thing that indicated to me that this was my dance for sure for the long term, because I had never felt very driven to teach. Even when I'd been asked, Rachel, there's no swing dancers to teach, please. And I was like, I just don't really want to take that on. You know, I'm not someone that wanted to organize dances or like, yeah, I would volunteer like to sit at the desk, but I didn't want to have like a responsibility um, <laughs> that I was uh, going to be accountable for. And yet with Kizomba, I mean, I, I don't know. I just do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You learn a lot about yourself when you start to teach. And I never thought I would be a teacher and let, let alone six months into starting to learn salsa, I started teaching and it's not like oh, I was well. teaching all that well, but you, know, you get exposed to it. You learn, you learn what works, what doesn't work. Later on, I took a personality test and I am an ENFJ according to Myers-Briggs. So mm, that's like that's a teacher. teacher. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a teacher profile. <laughs> you do? Okay. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, but I, yeah. I really enjoy teaching. And you know, what I've gone through recently is I started teaching with salsa and just recently about six months ago, I started teaching bachata and mm-hmm. I've never really liked bachata. It's, it's okay. But ever since I started teaching, I have been enjoying the dance more. So maybe I just have to start teaching Kazumba and that'll be like my uh, way no, into no. really. Don't do that. <laughs> I, Don't do okay. that. I mean, I'll, I'll we, learn. I'll we learn didn't first. quite address the question. Kazumba <laughs> is easy to get started with. And I would mm-hmm. say like it's a super accessible dance because, you know, I'll teach people in an hour or better yet. I love it much more when I have two hours and people are ready to social dance all night. Right. They're ready to social dance for a month. Um, but when we're talking about like expertise and mastery or even reaching an intermediate level, um, there's definitely a lot more that goes into it that I think people are 
sometimes overlooking. Mm, Um, so yeah, but I have more information about that in my, in my blog post on my website so people can explore more. Perfect. Well, Richard, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day here and speaking with us and so that all of us can learn more about Kazumba. Again, we, we will link to all of these websites in the show notes. So you can take a look at those at thisweekinsalsa.com. Just look up for the interview with Rachel. And otherwise, any parting uh, thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, start dancing Kazumba. Give it a try. There you go. Good. You know what? I am going to, next time I see a Kazumba room, I will go in there and I will dance at least one song. That that is Great. my promise to you. Excellent. Yeah, my first Kazumba song. I'm gonna dance it. I'm going to a socialist weekend. So if they have Kazumba, I'll be there. All right, send me a message when it happens. Sounds good. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.